0: All right, good morning everybody. We'll be in Leviticus chapters 20 and 21 this morning if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Today after second service, we'll be having some baptisms out at Mazingo if you want to join us out there, probably around 1:30, two o'clock. 1:30 um, be safer, probably. Uh, we'll be out there. and then of course, not a course. Um, if you want to stick around and swim or do whatever, that's kind of what our uh, activity will be for the afternoon. Instead of playing baseball or soccer or something, we're just going to stay out at the beach. So um, anyway, that's where we'll be. Uh, that's going to be today at 1.30 out at Mazingo Beach. If you don't know how to get there, let me know and we can try to give you some uh, well, some directions. Hopefully you all know. All right. Leviticus chapter 20 is where God gives us some descriptions of sins that are um, worthy of the death penalty, basically. Um, he reinforces this. Remember, Leviticus is the, the book concerning the Levites. It's what it's for, to teach the Levites what they should enforce and how to enforce it. And um, I think it's really interesting for me. As I go through Leviticus, I see the do's, the don'ts, and I see the, the how-to's, and then I watch Jesus and how he walked Perfectly in the law, and it really helps me understand how to interpret the law, how to live out the law, what it, what it would look like and um, um, I think it helps greatly now granted, he wrote the law um, and he changed many aspects of the law, which is important to understand um, as the author of the law, you can change things because parts of the law that we're reading here in Leviticus were intended to point to the Messiah um, and show. The show the uncleanness without him, and then once Christ comes, you can see the change that's taken place in the law of what's been made clean, cleansed, or what's, what's been cleaned. Um, in fact, that's what he does with us. He tells us that, that he, uh, he washes us with the Word of God, like like we're supposed to be, and it cleanses us, okay? So we, we were defiled, we were unclean, but then we're cleansed, and now it's different, and we're no longer what we used to be. Um, and so you can see some of the parts of the law that are, no, this is sin, and it's always going to be wrong to do. You can't ever do this. It's never, you're never going to get permission to do this thing I said you couldn't do back here. But as far as unclean things go, that can be cleansed, and so therefore it changes. And so you have two different kinds of things going on here in the law. Um, these, chapter 20, these are, these are death penalty. This is it. Um, the death penalty is a, a, well, it's a sore subject for a lot of people. A lot of Christians don't know where they stand on it. Uh, um, when I first started being involved with pro-life, I didn't realize what pro-life meant. I thought it meant anti-abortion, and it's not only anti-abortion, it's also anti-death penalty. So technically, um, J.D. Dirks isn't pro-life, I'm anti-abortion because I am for the death penalty, and that's where I stand on it. Um, and so technically, I can't be a pro-lifer because, well, um, I, I believe in the sanctity of innocent life, but I also believe in the justice needs to take place also, and I think to not do justice is, um, is as much of a sin as the sin itself. So that's where I stand, um, but every person has to wrestle with that. Um, each person has to get that right in their head. There's... Um, There's really, uh, as you go through the scriptures, you see Jesus not imposing the death penalty where the death penalty should be imposed. For example, the woman caught in adultery. Um, We're going to read about that today in this very chapter where the death penalty is required. It's required. And he doesn't. Um, As a rabbi, um, he should have been probably the first one to pick up a rock and start throwing lead by example, basically, but he didn't. Um, and so you're not, at, you're not wrong to not like the death penalty or would prefer to have life in prison. Now, there's a monetary issue. You can get into the secular side of things and argue, well, you know, it's a lot cheaper to do this, that, or the other. That's not a spiritual issue. That's not where I'm coming from. You can morally feel that the death penalty is wrong and be biblically correct. It's okay, because Jesus said that he who has uh, not sinned can cast the first stone and they all dropped the rocks and walked away, and the woman walked away. Uh, then he said, "Go and sin no more," you know, and so on. Um, so you can be for life in prison or whatever it is that you're for. You can be biblically correct. You can also, though, be for the death penalty because we see that um, we see that reinforced in Paul even. And I'll give you some scriptures here so you have them to stand on. And Genesis nine six is actually where it begins with the death penalty. That's the that's the beginning of it all. Um, I'll read it to you so I don't butcher the. Um, You know, I like to give it in my own words sometimes when I can. Um, But this is one where it's, it's probably pretty important that I be verbatim here. He says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. That's an interesting <laughs> combination to put those two things together. Be fruitful, multiply. We hear that a lot, but you never really remember the first part of that. Um, there's the difference right there between murder and killing. That's the difference. Um, it does never say in the in the Ten Commandments, "Thou shalt not kill." It's, "Thou shalt not murder." Very, very big difference. Every one of our police officers carries what they would called back in the Bible days, a sword, and it's meant as an instrument of righteousness. That, that instrument on the side of every police officer, hopefully, and on their ankle as well, I believe they have to carry a backup as well the same caliber, um, that's required to be used in, and used only in as an instrument of righteousness uh, for the protection of others, uh, for the protection of the innocent. And um, so we have that. Um, God is the one that invented the death penalty. Man didn't invent the death penalty. It's not something that's, it's not a man thing. It's a, it's a God thing. Um, in Romans 13.1, Paul, when writing to the Romans, uh, reestablishes the Christian's walk and what they're supposed to do, or not reestablishes, um, establishes the Christian walk and what they're supposed to do is submitting to the authorities placed over you and the governments who, who don't bear the sword in vain. Uh, that's the sword we're talking about. We don't have swords today. I think you know, that wouldn't probably work very well nowadays. We've we've upgraded, if you want to put it that way, or downgraded. I don't know how you want to put it, but now we have weapons of uh, guns and, and whatever. And so they they don't bear the gun in vain. Um, and so they're there for you. It says the government's there for you. That they're supposed to be. And That was Paul's. You know, there's was a big debate. I don't know if the government's for me or not. When Paul wrote this, he was writing about a worse government than we've ever experienced before under Nero, okay? A worse government than we've ever had. Um, you know, we're, we're sensitive of Americans, as Americans, to, uh, to governments that are, that are oppressive. You know, it's, that's, that's where we came from, you know? Um, and so we're very sensitive when we see that oppression start to rise again. We're like lemurs or, or whatever. You, what are those meerkats that kind of sit up? We're just, we're always alert. Hey, what did you say I couldn't do? We're very sensitive to that as Americans, and 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 rightly so. Be on the alert, you know. Um, but Paul was writing to a group of folks that were living under unbelievable conditions, and told them Christians to submit to the authorities placed over you, as one who's been lifted up by God to be an authority over you. They don't bear the sword in vain; they're there for you, not against you. And live yourself, live live your life in a quiet way, um, and so. Um, that's there for them. But the sword is there, and he, he acknowledges that. Um, in Acts chapter 25, verse 11, Paul says it to himself, so this is the apostle Paul, he says, if I'm guilty of something worthy of death, I'm not going to walk away from that. I believe I should die. So he, he wasn't one saying, I, even if I'm worthy of death, you shouldn't do it because morally it's wrong and Biblically, you shouldn't do that. He, he acknowledged the fact that I, if I'm guilty of this, I'll, I'll walk myself up to whatever instrument of wrath they have for me because I believe I'm guilty and I should do that. Um, so even Paul understood the importance of, of the, the deterrent of, of the death penalty and also um, the, just, the justice that's involved there. Okay, So he's got that. And finally, I think this is very important, and I think it goes a lot deeper than we can get into it this morning, is that without the death penalty, none of us would be saved. None of us would be saved without the death penalty. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was executed. He had the death penalty imposed upon him. Without that, we none of us would have salvation. So um Although you may be opposed to it morally, you have to acknowledge the fact that, boy, we've benefited from an innocent man dying unjust well, justly because God put his wrath upon him instead of us, but you get where I'm going with this. What if you kill one innocent man? That's been done before, you know? And God can work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so he can use evil for good. He can use what Satan intended to be, ha, 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 I've got you, and I've, I've, I've got everybody now, and, and God has turned that on Satan and says, no, 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 you don't understand. That's the beginning, not the end. Okay? So some food for thought, some things to think about as we go through this chapter 20 uh, on the death penalty um, and, and the importance of it. Um, but uh, biblically, you're not in error either way. You really aren't. Um, So, um, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying again, you shall say to the children of Israel, whoever of the children of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man, And will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Moloch to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Moloch and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry. With Moloch, and we described Moloch last week, into what that was, and likened it to the abortion issue today, um, the atrocity of abortion in our country today. It's the same same thing. Here he says, "You deserve death." Now, we don't come at it that way anymore. As 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 someone who's anti-abortion, we don't we don't necessarily attack the mom of this child, the mother of this child, whereas God clearly says. If you offer up this child as a sacrifice, I require your blood of you. Now, that's meant to, because remember what what would cause this and what the reasoning behind this was. We're going to better our lives because of it. We're going to have our house blessed. Our next child will be a a more blessed child, a more full child, if we sacrifice this baby first. On the other hand, if you're going to die at the end of this ritual, that might deter you from thinking your life was going to be better if I just give up this baby. And that would be a deterrent, I would think, you know? Um, And so that's the idea. We, We don't want this happening. But then he also says, I don't want it spreading. So if you see this happening, if you see it taking place and you don't do anything about it and you hide your eyes from the very act itself, you're as guilty as the one who performed the act. And you deserve death as well. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We don't see that in any other thing. But you can't turn your eye from it. You can't turn your eye from it. I struggled with this when I, when I first got saved, and years after, actually. It took me a long time to figure out, what is my role here then on this earth? If I know every Saturday this is going to take place at these specific locations with these specific people, am I obligated then to defend the fatherless? Am I obligated then to make sure? And I struggled for a long time. I thought, well, because it wouldn't be hard to follow through and make sure that doctor never did that again, you know, or whatever. Um, it's not complicated. I, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, actually. It happens once in a while, but not very often. I'm surprised that it doesn't take place more often, because it's not a complicated issue or a difficult thing to accomplish. Except something restrains me. Something restrained me back then. I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. It says I, I could. And I had to struggle with this and wrestle with this. And why don't I? Why do I feel this? I'm not worried about getting in trouble. I wasn't worried about any of those things. What is it that causes me to stop and pause? And that's when you come into those scriptures. You come into those moments where God says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's a, it's a bigger issue. I wanted this to stop because I didn't want them to begin to worship Moloch and turn their eyes from me and that will all be lost. I need this example. I need this nation to be the example for me. I need them to see what it's like to have a relationship with me. And so I need them to be pure. Now, he's not imposing this on anybody else. Now, he's evicting the people out of the land that would do these things. He says as much. But I, I, I don't want this happening in the nation of Israel. And so I want you to stop this. I need you to be the... The restraining force as far as sin goes. You make sure that there's no more sin. You make sure it all stops. I expect you to police yourselves, basically. So, what's changed now? Well, you read that about Jesus and you read him not inflicting these things. Why didn't he? You know, why didn't he? Stone the woman who's caught in adultery, certainly would have been within the bounds of law. I know the man wasn't there, and people like to focus on that. It doesn't make any difference. They could catch that guy later. Maybe he was fast, and they were all old and couldn't catch him, and they just caught her. I don't think that's a real argument there. The argument is, why didn't he? He let her sit there in shame for quite a while. You remember she was caught in the act, brought there, so probably not wearing a stitch of clothes on, M- maybe a blanket, but they probably ripped that off of her because they wanted her to be ashamed. And Jesus is sitting there writing in the dirt. You remember the story. For a long time, she sits there uncovered. For a long time, she sits there in that place of guilt. And as they began to get ready to throw rocks, and they asked him the question because they wanted to see if they could catch him in this act, and because and they knew he was a loving, kind person. They thought, well, how is he going to get out of this without breaking the law? And he didn't. He simply said, whichever of you hasn't sinned, who doesn't deserve what she's about to get, go ahead and throw the first rock. And they didn't. They all dropped him. And then he went to her and confronted her about it. He says, where are your accusers? There aren't any, neither do I condemn you, he said. Hmm. He should have, but he didn't. He was able to do that. And he he let her go, but he didn't let her go without saying first, go and sin no more. I'm not giving you permission. I'm not giving you the okay for this. This sin isn't now available for all to enjoy, now that I've come as the Messiah. No, the law remains, the truth remains that this is sin, but I don't want you to do it anymore, and there's no wrath imposed upon you. Now There's no way for her to believe on Jesus Christ for her salvation. There's no way for her to be technically a New Testament saint at this point because he hasn't died he hasn't resurrected there's nothing there's no blood to plead over your sins there's no blood to wash you yet it hasn't happened yet and this helps my obligation here on earth is not to impose the judgments of the old testament upon sin around me my i am to confront it i am to call people on it but i'm also to let them know that they're forgiven or can be forgiven and then to go and do it no more. That's what I'm called to do. It's a, it's a much more difficult ministry. It would be easy to just take shots at everybody in the middle of their sin. You know? Oh, sinning. Pfft. Sinning. Pfft. It'd be easy. This is different. God's called us to a much more difficult ministry, a much more comprehensive ministry, a ministry that saves people. Remember, that's the mission that Christ was on. I'm on a mission to save people. I haven't come here to judge yet. I will come to judge, but I haven't come here to judge yet. I've come to save the lost. His first coming had nothing to do with judgment. It has everything to do with saving people. We're still in that place as Christians. I'm not here to worry about that stuff. I'm not here to stop sin. Now, So what do you do? Do you just sit there when something's happening? No, of course not. You defend you defend, of course, like if my wife was in trouble or my kids were in trouble, of course you'd defend them, you're supposed to, you're call to that. You'd be worse than an unbeliever if you didn't take care of your family in that way. but I don't walk around and find people to get. that's the idea, okay so I just I struggled with that, and God gave me absolute peace because there was it was his holy Spirit obviously restraining me saying, don't 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 do this. you're not thinking right on this. Well, I think I am, I'm reading your word, you know. I pay attention to those moments where the Holy Spirit gives me pause and says, no, wait, no, we've got some, this is time for class. It's time for school. Sit down. All right, I'm teachable. You bet. Show me where I'm wrong. You know, teach. And uh, he did. He taught me. You've got to get the right heart on the matter. You don't have the right heart. So that's the thing. Don't turn your eyes from it. I don't want this spreading. I don't want this going in. I want you to be an example to the people. Um, I want you to be seen as the world watches you worship me. Verse 6. And the person who turns to uh, mediums or familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut them off from his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who uh, sanctifies you. I don't want you going off and doing that, going to palm readers and crystal ball folk and people that do funny things and incantations and witches and so on. I don't want you doing that sort of thing. That's what they did. I don't want you doing that. Um, You're prostituting yourself against them. That's the biggest thing. He said that twice now. I don't want you to go to others. I want you to come to me. If you want to know about your future, if you want to know about your destiny, if you want to know where I'm taking you, talk to me about it as I'm the author and finisher of your faith. You don't need to go to these other places and find out what kind of day am I going to have today. I better check page three or whatever page it's on. I don't know what page it's on. The horoscopes, you know, I'm a Scorpio, therefore I'm, I'm, you know. First of all, it's a bunch of garbage. I don't know if you've ever read them before, but second of all, even if it was factual, my day is going to be exactly how God wanted my day to be, and I better learn how to walk in that day. I better learn how to be like Christ no matter what's coming my way. I can't change that, as the horoscope would suggest. I need to be like Christ wherever I go. Now, here's an interesting thing. You're supposed to kill this person. You're not supposed to turn to him, and later on he's going to tell you to kill these people when you see them doing these things. It's an interesting thing. This woman that Paul runs into that was a a diviner, She was a slave girl from some wealthy guys, and they would prostitute her in the sense that they would make money off of her, and she saw these guys coming into town, and she would follow them around under the influence of this demonic spirit and cry out, these guys proclaim the way of the Most High. They did it over and over again. There's nothing wrong with the message, but she must have been a screeching pain in the rear for Paul because it said Paul, greatly annoyed, turned to her, and he cast this demon out of her. Shouldn't he have just picked up rocks and started throwing rocks at her? I mean, that's really what you do. That'd solve it. Let's get a bunch of rocks and make sure. That's what the law said, and Paul knew the law, but he didn't. Another clue for us as Christians how we're supposed to walk in the New Testament, in light of the cross, we're healers. We can cast these things out. We can change things. We don't have to put up with them anymore. Now, I don't know why he waited so long to do it, but finally, he thought it was time His spirit was provoked to the point where he just turned around. Wouldn't that be amazing to have that kind of power? At any time, he could have told this demon to leave this girl, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He's putting up with it. Maybe there's hope. Maybe she's going to come to know the Lord. Maybe she's going to hear the gospel. I don't know what he was thinking, but all of a sudden, he just gets to the point where, okay, I'm done. You're out. Go. And the demon's gone. I love that. Do we walk in that kind of power? Do you understand that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? And Paul isn't doing anything that we're not able to do. Paul isn't doing anything. None of these guys do anything in the New Testament. None of the apostles, none of the disciples do anything better or more than we're equipped to do under the influence of Christ, submitted to the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. I don't know if I've... I've, I don't, I've never done that. That'd be cool. Not that I want to be around demon people, but I've never done that. But I've had moments where I've been trying to be nice and trying to develop a relationship and kind of work my way into someone's life and telling them about Jesus. And I've mentioned him once or twice. And and finally my spirit gets provoked. I'm not the same person the next day I meet them. And it's not because I'm irritated or I've run short on patience. I just look at them and say, look, you're going to hell. You need Jesus. And they look at you, it's like, I, I love you, man. I've been trying to tell you this, but you're not hearing me. I guess I'm going to come at a different angle here. Boom, you know. You need him like I need him, you know. Not self-righteous, but just, uh, And I needed that. That's, what, that's, what, that's how God got me. He gave me a roommate that just looked at me and said, you're going to hell. No, I'm not. And we'd argue back and forth. I I'm, I was going to hell. I think you're going to hell too. The Bible says this. You're going to hell. Go to sleep, Brian. You know, he was on the bottom rack. I was on the top rack. You lay there and stare at the ceiling all night long. Going to hell, huh? It worked. It worked. But he had tried. He had tried. He, you know, loved me and brought me to the, uh, you know, the Overseas Christian Fellowship outside the, the the base there. And he did everything he could to get me to, you know, can, you li- Finally, he just saw that. He, look, this guy's dim. He ain't seeing. You're going to hell. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. You know, it works. Sometimes there's a time for that. I wait for the being provoked by the Holy Spirit, but. Um, because it works when he's in charge, when he's orchestrating the ministry. Verse nine: For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother, uh, father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. That's all you had to do was talk back to your mom and dad, curse them. Here we go outside the. Here we go. Line up, get against the wall, teen. <laughs> Imagine what kind of purifying effect that had on all the other teens. You know. I'm not saying we should reinstitute that, but maybe putting him against the wall and looking at him really hard for a while saying if it was two thousand years ago, I'm just saying, now get back in the house and do your chores, you know, kind of thing. No, I no you don't want to do that. But boy it's that serious. It's that big of a deal to God. Um, some of these sins, even as you know, as a pastor, I think, and okay, I get the Moloch thing. That's easy, and 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 I even get the, the 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 going to demonic people to get answers. I get that, but cursing your mom and dad is equal has the equal punishment. It's that serious. See rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which I've always struggled with that, not struggled with that verse, struggled comprehending that verse. It's as the sin of witchcraft. How is rebellion witchcraft? I mean, I, I think of, you know, <laughs> you know, witchcraft, and I don't, or broomsticks and all that. And I, I'm having a hard time pulling those two things together but rebellion, okay, witchcraft is is simply going after the demonic, simply calling on the demonic for help and answers, and that's your God, and that's who you worship, and you do whatever is necessary to get that demon to give you the answer. You'll go as far as you need to go, just to get that information from that demon or that power or whatever from this demon. Well, that demon obviously has a, has a boss, uh, Satan. Satan is the one, and so you understand that when he says that Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That, that was Satan's sin. That's the original sin. The original sin isn't the apple. That rebellion against God by eating that apple came from Satan's rebellion long before when he led a third of the angels away from God, away from him. That rebellion that took place, that, that, you know, that taking away of all those. And, and then he passed that on to Adam and Eve, and they both ate of the fruit and joined him in their rebellion against God. So now I understand where rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, when you see that happening with parents and kids, that's no different than the apple. I, I know it's not, we don't know what kind of fruit it was, I'm just, it's easier to just say that. It's, it's the same thing as the fruit in the garden that they weren't supposed to eat of. I, I don't want you to be rebellious against your mom and dad, but they are which means they're going in the wrong direction. They're going towards Satan. They're listening and whispering. The whisperings in their ear and they're paying attention to that when they shouldn't be listening to him. Guard yourself against that. Kids, and we're all kids of somebody, you know. Guard yourself against that rebellion against your parents. Um, It's as the sin of witchcraft. It is the same as following after Satan. It's no better than or easier than what they did in the garden with the fruit. Verse 10. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death, both. Um, and we've discussed that. That's never okay. That's never going to be okay. Jesus has already solidified that. You, you can't go and sin no more. It's still sin. And I say that because there's a list of things we're going to go through here that are still sin. The sin hasn't been approved, it hasn't been changed, it's still sin, it's still wrong. The man who lies with his father's wife, now he's talked about adultery, now we're moving into incest. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness, both of them shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion, their blood shall be upon them. So no incest at all, ever, it's never allowed, it's never okay. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's never changed. It's still the same today. Homosexuality is still the same sin as it was in the Old Testament. It hasn't been approved. Of course, there's grace. Of course, there's mercy. Of course, there's the same forgiveness as the woman caught in adultery. He who has not sinned may cast the first stone. Remember that when we're dealing with that. Some of you are like, amen, brother, talk about homosexuality. Tell them how wrong it is. Well, okay, but you can't throw rocks either at them because you're as guilty as they are. But they do need the same saving grace of Jesus Christ as you did. And it's just as forgivable as all of your sins, but still sin. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to change what was sin to not be sin. In our minds, he tries to move us from the place where that is horrible and that isn't horrible. He wants to change our minds about that. Be careful about that. God's word is true. Every man's a liar, and Satan is the father of lies. And we've got to be careful what we're listening to, especially today. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on those because we're not being attacked in that area yet, but I would imagine in 10 years... If it takes that long, you'll start having marriage ceremonies between... Yeah, we laugh. We th- yeah, just, <laughs> that's crazy, you know? Wow, I can't believe that. But we're already doing that for one of these in the list. It won't be long before the next thing happens. Or you can marry yourself. Or you can marry an animal because it's your favorite pet. And who are you to say what love is and what love isn't? I mean, why are we fighting love so much? Shouldn't we just fight evil? What's wrong with love? And I love my dog. Um, So I don't spend a lot of time on this. Unfortunately, though, if the Lord tarries and I'm here 10 years from now, I would imagine I'll have to spend time on verse 15 and tell people, yeah, no, I can't perform that ceremony. It goes against my Christian beliefs that I can't marry you and your horse or you and your donkey or you and your cat or whatever it is you got going on there. I can't do it. That's discrimination, yep,, uh, no. so later on, we'll spend time on that. Hopefully the Lord will return before them, but who knows? Verse seventeen, If a man takes his sister um, his father's daughter or his mother's daughter and sees her nakedness, now we're going over some of the th- same things we did last week, and so um, I might um, you know go quickly cut off the sight of the people. He, he has uncovered his sister's nakedness, you can't do that. still, no more incest. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow and she has uncovered, her, uncovered the flow of her blood, both of them shall be cut off from their people. Um, yeah. Um, still sin. 19. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister nor of your father's sister, for that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. So um, we see that taking place there, um, obviously. When it comes to the death penalty, I guess my, before we move on, we're, we're going to finish this chapter up, but then we're going to move on to the, chapter 21. Keep in mind Ananias and Sapphira. That's in the church. That's done by the Holy Spirit, not by man. Um, and they lied to the Holy Spirit about what they were doing as far as financial things going and, and putting on a face and, um, and all. And they both died in the church at the hand of the Holy Spirit though, not at the hand of Peter. Um, But he did let them know what was about to happen to them. So obviously there was a conversation going on. You know, God knew and told Peter. And so that took place. So keep that in mind. God may, he may step in and stop sin in the church. He may step in and do things. I've seen some interesting things in the ministry, people that were in the way. Um, But I've learned I don't have to do a thing to get them out of the way. God will God moves people out of the way, one way or another. Um, I remember when we were trying to get the radio station, and uh, we were trying to get a permit. It's not ours anymore. It's ninety three point five. It's somebody else's now. But when we were trying to get that permit for that station, um, there was this guy in the FCA or FCC, FCA, sorry, FCC. Just, just, did, nope, nope, nope. We're like, okay, God, you're bigger than this guy. Do whatever you got to do died the next week of a heart attack. We got our license the next week after that. Very careful about prayers now, you know. Look, there's a lot of people that needed the gospel. And I'm not saying, oh, that's an interesting coincidence, JD. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting coincidence. All I know is we got our station, and that guy ain't around anymore. Be very careful, you know. I want to be very careful where I stand with God, and, and, and I want to be in I want to be walking in His way. I don't want to be in His way. Does that make sense? Um, So if the Holy Spirit wants to step in and do something, of course He can. Um, But it's great to give God room to do that. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to be the one to, uh, you know, bring retaliation against somebody or or wish. I don't have to do anything like that. Just say, God, look. We're doing this out of obedience to you, and they're not letting us. If this is a closed door, great. If it's an open door that someone's standing in the doorway and they're in the way, would you remove them so that we can go through where you've called us to go? And either way, it's fine with me. I just want to be obedient to God. But we don't have to um, be those people that are making our way. We don't have to elbow our way through this world. He just kind of parts the waters for us. And then closes them up if anybody wants to pursue us and, and all. It's, it's, a, it's a great walk. Verse 22. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean, and you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So, unclean and clean animals, here it comes again, you know. Well, we've got the situation in Acts chapter 10, or actually, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 10, if you want to turn there, let's read that and get that straight in our minds so we understand. Here's a great example of what can be changed. The unclean animals, for some reason, were unclean. We don't know why. He describes them. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen to us if we do, except that we shouldn't. God says this very simple verse after he's let this sheet down in front of Peter with all the unclean animals in it and the creeping things. And he told Peter to go ahead, rise, kill, and eat. Peter, thinking it was a test, said, no, I've never done anything like that before. God responds with, what God has cleansed, you you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. You can eat these things now. I've cleansed them. Likewise, now follow me, back here when we've been discussing this in chapter 20 where the there's the Israelites, I want you to be separate, I want you to be eating clean and uh, animals only because I want you to be different from the Gentiles all around you. I want you to be separate, I want you to look different. Well, we have this over here because... I'm cleansing all those animals because now there is no distinction anymore between an Israelite and a Jew. We give the gospel to the Israelites first because they have rights to it, but the Gentiles get it equally. And so I've cleansed it. I've changed this portion of the law. You can now eat both kinds of animals as well as give the gospel to both kinds of people. He's changing chapter 20 here in chapter 10 of Acts. It's clean now. I've cleansed it. It's happened Because if you were to continue living under the rules of 20, that means you're still making a distinction between Israelites and Gentiles, and I don't want you to make that distinction anymore. There is no more Jew. There is no more Gentile, he tells us. There is no more male. There is no more female. And so on. You can't keep following that law and not have a funny opinion about the Gentiles. Therefore, I'm changing it. Very important, very important. Okay, he finishes up here in twenty-seven. A man or a woman who is a medium. So you've got the, We've dealt with the people who went to the mediums, and then we're going to deal with the people who are a man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits. It's a funny way to put that, isn't it? Uh, familiar spirits, demonic spirits, spirits that are um, you know closer to us in nature than closer to God in nature. Maybe that's a great way to explain that familiar word shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. In other words, they're not allowed to live. They're not allowed to continue with their business. Okay, chapter 21. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, none shall defile himself for the dead among his people except for his relatives who are nearest to him. So now we're talking about burying the dead, taking care of the dead, washing the dead, embalming the dead, making sure they get in their tombs and so on. Really, as a priest, you were supposed to steer clear of that unless unless it's a near relative. And that was just for the priests. The high priests have a higher standard, but the priests weren't allowed to do that. I don't want you to defile yourself with dead people. None shall defile himself for the dead among his people, except for his relatives who are nearest to him, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, also his virgin sister who is near to him. If she's not a virgin, if she's been married, that's her husband's responsibility. You need to stay away still. They'll take care of the body and all, but... If she's not been married, it is your responsibility. Go ahead. Otherwise, he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. I I want you to be an example. I want you to look the part. I want you to be above. That hasn't changed, honestly. Um, As a priest, as a high priest, as as a believer in Jesus Christ, and God's made you a king and priest, you're called to this—to be higher, to be different, to not defile yourselves. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. It's one of those times where I—I I, want to have this example for the people to follow. I want to be that. We represent Christ. We are to look like Him. We're to walk like Him and act like Him. It doesn't do any good. And there's a move in the church to let's just be real. Of course, you should be real in church. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not for putting on faces, but I do appreciate the fact that we walk righteously when we're together like this. I'm glad we're not. Hey, I'm just opening a can of beer in the back row here, just being real, man. But I don't think so. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Um, I, you know what? And and any other out there, maybe bringing my mom to church who's now my wife, which Paul had to deal with the Corinthian church. No, no. No, it's not okay. It's sin. I'm all for being real, but I'm also for being washed and cleansed and transformed and being holy like my God is holy. We need to be there. We need to get there. We need to be working towards it, not boasting in our sin. And you see that. You see that, I'm just saved, I, I still cuss, I still do all these things. The very fact that you had to qualify it and tell me that you're still using that language tells me you know you're not supposed to use that language, and yet you willingly are doing it anyway, which tells me you've got a heart issue that needs to be dealt with. You can't be in a position of authority or leadership. That needs to be changed. Obviously, God's trying to change you, but you're unwilling to acknowledge that. That has to be there. We see these same attributes. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 9, will cover that. They shall not make any bald place on their heads, nor shall they shave the edges of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife who is a harlot or a defiled woman, nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to God, therefore you shall consecrate him. For he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I the Lord who sanctify you am holy. The daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by playing the harlot, she profanes her father, she shall, she shall be burned with fire. No, it's not allowed. That needs to be cleansed and taken care of. And I always think of Hosea when I read that. It's different. He's a prophet. But he was called by God to take a harlot as a wife. He was called by God to have children by this woman. He was called by God to buy her off the auction block when she left him for other men to seek her fortune by getting money from all these guys that she was sleeping with. He was called to that ministry. Interesting. That's a ministry that God's called him to that's obviously not a priest. It's a whole different thing being a prophet, they're not the same thing but he's also trying to teach the nation of Israel something by being a living example of what they look like and what I don't like. He was called to actually walk in that, being holy. He wasn't defiled. He wasn't doing these things, but she was, and he kept forgiving and kept trying to get her and trying to take care of her and provide for her so that she was without excuse. Okay. So there's always these interesting stories that God puts in here and it helps you identify what is he actually saying here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 describes some of the qualifications of an elder in the church. They're higher. They're supposed to be doing better. They're supposed to be walking closer to God. Of course we're sinners saved by grace. Of course we're we're no better than you. We're not supposed to be, but we're supposed to be walking in more maturity. How can I teach you if I haven't been taught? How can I show you something that's not in my heart itself? How can I teach the Word of God that I haven't adopted in my own life, saw that it works, lived it out, fleshed it out for you to see? I'm called to that. Just as much as Hosea was called to marry the prostitute, I'm called to a higher walk or more maturity, not a higher walk. We we all need to get there. It's not like, well, yeah, you're the pastor, so you've got to walk that way, but I don't. No, 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 no. Just need to be in more maturity. Need to be walking there. That's why he says, I don't want you to put a novice in that position. I say be swallowed up with pride. You can't put a novice in that position. Be careful about that. You've got to be someone who's walked and in humility can understand that all I have is because of what God has done with me. And through me and to me. Verse 10. He was the high priest among his brethren. On whose head the anointing oil was poured and who is consecrated to wear the garments shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes, nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his mother, or, or father or his mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. That's the high priest. You know, I'm sorry your mom and dad died during your duty as high priest can't do anything about it. Somebody else will have to do that. It doesn't mean he can't attend the funeral. Don't misunderstand me. He can't attend the burial, but he can't have anything to do with the body. He can't participate in that. I don't want you to defile yourself. And he shall take a wife of her in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot. These he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. Nor shall he profane His posterity, yeah, posterity, posterity, man, among his people, for I am, uh, for I the Lord sanctify him. Of course, Christ, uh, you know, uh, presents us as a spotless bride before, and so that's the picture here we see of the high priest. He's an example um, in pointing people to what the Messiah will do. Verse 16. Uh, this will raise an eyebrow. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron saying, no man of your descendants in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach a man blind or lame who has a marred face or any limb too long, a man who is broken, who has a broken foot or a broken hand or is a uh, hunchback or a dwarf or a man who has a defect in his eye, or eczema, or scab, or is a eunuch. No man of the descendants of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect, shall come near to offer the offerings made by fire to the Lord. He has a defect. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. Now, that sounds mean. (laughs) Really? No handicapped people in the ministry at all, as far as that goes. No, 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 no. The reason is they can't come before and offer that bread up because Jesus has to be, and their example is of the Messiah, a pure and spotless lamb. They have to be without spot, without blemish. They can't have any defect. And so I want that picture to remain true. So what do these poor guys do who were born in this priesthood under this Arianic code here? That's where grace and mercy and all the... There's nothing wrong with them. God's not saying they're bad. He's saying they can't represent Christ because of this issue, because of this one thing that's wrong with them. They can't represent. Look what he says here, though. He may eat the bread of his God, both the most holy and the holy. Only he shall not go near the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect. Lest he profane my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, sanctify them. He still gets all the benefits. He's still in that tribe. He's still always a part of that. He just can't do this one part in the ministry. You can't represent the one who goes before God in front of the people with a defect because Christ is going to be that one. He he didn't have any defects. He didn't have any flaws. So you have to have that picture there. And Moses told it to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel. So everybody knows the rules now, and so do we. Hopefully God gets our minds right on things. That's why we come to the Bible. You know, maybe you are challenged in some things this morning. You know, well, I don't think I believed that when I came in the door. Well, now you know God's heart on the matter. And you know what the scriptures say about it. And you've called yourself a Christian. Or you've named yourself a Christian. Do you want to continue to walk in that or do you want to ignore parts of it? Do you want to be obedient to God's word or not be obedient to God's word? It's a choice you have to make. You still, but we see where God stands on it. God has his reasons behind these things. It's very pure. He's, he, he's full of love. He's, he is love. He's very gracious and merciful. He's got a plan for us. He knows what our best path is on this earth. And he's just told us several things here that aren't the best. There's a better way. And we need to be obedient to those things. And so we stand in God's judgment. We stand under God's authority here in his word. And uh, it's a safe place to be. It's a great place to be. It's where you abound. It's where you abound. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's purifying, it cleanses us and washes us. And um, some of us got scrubbed a little bit this morning, and we thank you for that. We didn't realize we were dirty behind the ears or we had that other thing going on. And thank you for cleansing us with your word this morning. We pray that you continue to do that, that that would never change, that we'd constantly be washed with your word, Lord. We want to be like you. We want to have. Uh, a relationship with you, it's pure. We want to be holy because you're holy. And we don't know what that's look like, what that looks like unless we look at you. That's what holiness looks like. You are holiness. You look like holiness. And so God, we, we want that because you've called us to that. And so we submit to you today. These areas where our minds needed to be changed on the matter, we pray that our hearts would follow God. That we'd truly understand the heart of our God, you, and uh, be obedient to you and and, and have all the Benefits and fruits from that, being obedient to your word. Lord, for those that didn't know you this morning but want to become your children, that want to be adopted into your family, Lord, we know that our sins have separated us from you. We know that the things we did, we deserve those rocks thrown at us, Lord. But here we sit at your feet, naked and ashamed, and yet you don't condemn us. You don't want us to sin anymore, but you don't condemn us. You've came to save us, and we thank you for that. That all my sins were nailed to that cross with you 2,000 years ago. They all were nailed there. And that you died for my sins so that I can have a righteous walk with you, so I can have your righteousness imputed to me, that I have entrance into heaven now. I can live forever with God because of what you've done, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe on you, and I trust in you. And so, Lord, help me to submit all of my life to you, not just this one moment where I understand that I've been separated from God, because of my sins, but also I want to remove these sins. I don't want to continue to walk in them. I don't want to sin anymore. And so God, remove these things from my life. I want to be holy and pure. I don't want to accept them as just a part of me or how I was made, God. I, I acknowledge them as sin, and it's not how I was made. That was not how I was intended to walk with you. And so God, remove everything that's not of you and replace it with everything that is of you. Bless these guys as they go today. Bless their uh, the rest Lord, uh, the baptism later on and any other plans they may have, God, that are glorifying to you, God, I pray that you just bless those. In Jesus' name, amen.